This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is In the Workplace on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here are Professor Peter Capelli and Dan O'Mara. Hey folks, I'm Peter Capelli, Professor of Management at the Wharton School. I'm Dan O'Meara, adjunct faculty at the Wharton School and a partner at Ogletree Deacons in Philadelphia. It is a great pleasure to welcome back the wet blanket. Thank you. Dan O'Meara, our legal leprechaun, who's been away for a couple of weeks here at the spa. Yes. I must say you're looking very fit. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and Tan. Dan and I, uh, as part of our uh, Sirius XM in the Workplace uh, show, we did take a field trip this week. Um, to the Starbucks at 18th and Spruce Street yes. to investigate. Um, Which was the scene of, of the controversy a couple yes, months ago. Yes, the controversy about who is allowed to use the restroom yes. in Starbucks. And I think we can say that at this point, it looks like virtually everyone is allowed to use the restroom at Not Starbucks. Not virtually, everyone. <laughs> everyone, right. <laughs> Homeless guy comes in there, yes, yes, you yes. can use it. Yeah, well, it was true, right? Absolutely true. Anyway, this is In the Workplace show where we talk about things going on at work. And we're going to talk about several things today. Here's the rundown. We're going to talk about stories in the news here at the very beginning. Then we're going to talk a go-to-work-with segment about what it's like to be a professional football player on the offensive side of the ball. And then we're going to talk about interviewing and what people who are experts at interviewing executives do and how they do it. And then Dan and I are going to talk about the important stories in the uh, universe um, for the last half hour of the show. So I think we're ready to rock and roll unless I'm missing something. No, we are. Um, I'm getting a thumbs up from the production crew and our interns, Chip and Muffy. They are ready to rock and roll. So let's turn to our opening act. Debbie Bowl, a pleasure to have you back with us, Debbie. She is the editorial director and editor-in-chief of HRO Today magazine. Debbie, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I thought you guys were talking about the plastic straws at Starbucks when you were saying controversy. Oh, what's the controversy there? Do not know oh, that. Oh, you know, you, have you heard about how all these organizations are getting rid of plastic straws because they're so unsustainable? Oh, really? Yeah. And oh, yeah. You know, Plastic straws. Okay. And yeah. uh, paper straws are sustainable because they rot, and that, that's it, right? They can decompose, sure. Decompose, right. Right. That's uh, what you want to think about when you're drinking your coffee, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and paper ones m- kind of melt, though, don't they, in hot coffee? Oh. No? Well, no? I don't know. Maybe uh, for the ice. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, we missed that one altogether. Uh, so, Debbie, what's in the news this uh, month? Actually, might tell people about HRO Today magazine and all the fabulous stuff you do before we get down to business? Sure, absolutely. HRO Today is a business-to-business trade publication that covers human capital trends for senior HR leaders. So this issue is September, and we have a special focus on talent. Mm. And on our cover, we ask, what's today's talent searching for? And part of that search is a word search on our cover. And there are 10 words that you can search for for HR officers to understand what today's talent is looking for when they apply for jobs and uh, stay at jobs. Okay. And so, tell, tell, what do they look for? Um, Some of the key things today's talent is looking for is a really solid culture. The opportunity to work remotely. Okay, can uh, we? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Can I slow you down and and uh, sure. walk through some of these here? Yeah, First of absolutely. all, when we say talent, who are we talking about here? Dan and me, and who else? What's talent? <laughs> What's talent? Well, clearly 
say you too, but yeah. that, you know, leading workers that they feel are going to bring innovation to their workforce. Okay. And what are leading workers these days? I mean, what do you think um, when people are talking about, God, we have more talent here, what, what are they, what, what jobs are they talking about? What positions? What are they looking for? What's hot? Well, actually, you know, I'm sure you both know that the unemployment rates are at historic lows. Yes. So there's actually, it's a talent-driven market, meaning organizations have to position themselves to be even more attractive than before. Yeah. So that just means candidates aren't looking. There aren't as many candidates. It's almost what they would call fully employed. Okay. So there are openings at jobs, but not many people looking. So here's why I asked the question, and that is some companies... Uh, and particularly if you leave the U.S. and you use the word mm-hmm. talents, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what they mean by that is high potential, right? Okay. So, and they actually use it plural. They say, we're interested in our talents. What are our talents going to do? And so they're talking about high potential. But when the U.S. companies are talking about this and w- when you folks are talking about it, do you mean pretty much everybody or who are we talking about here when we say talent? Um, absolutely. We're looking at candidates that have fit to companies, so okay. meaning hmm. that they bring skills and knowledge. And also, like I mentioned before, culture, a cultural fit, mm-hmm. that they understand how the organization operates. And not that they'll just fit in, but they'll exceed expectations. Okay. But when we, I'm going to drill a little bit more on this, sure. a little painful, like a dentist here as I drill <laughs> down on this one. Um, how far down the organization are, or chart, are companies worried about this? I mean, are we talking, uh, for sure in the executive suite, they're thinking about this, but if you work your way down, director, probably manager, first-line supervisor, frontline workers, where do you think they're not no longer so interested in this? Well, I think the biggest concern is managerial level and up, especially with the change in the generation shift with baby boomers actually starting to retire okay, and how millennials are taking over the workforce in terms of percentage. Mm-hmm. So there'll be a lot of shift once millennials become managers or as they become managers. Mm-hmm. So I think organizations are building leaders internally, but they're also, you know, seeking potential leaders. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that's a change, you know, because I remember about 10 years ago mm-hmm. and certainly before that, Companies, you know, corporations anyway, honestly, they weren't interested in anything below the director level. Yeah. You know, if you were talking about developing our talent below director mm-hmm. level, you know, it was a black box. Um, once you get to that level, they were interested below that. They didn't care. But you think it's at the manager level now? They're, they've gone down yeah. one level? Okay. I, would, I would think so. And it's kind of you could see two sides of the coin because organizations don't want to lose people. There's been talk about retaining people, but then the other side is that younger workers leave companies quicker than ever before. Mm, so maybe some organizations are looking to invest in them to get them to stay, but mm-hmm. are they going to just leave with those skills okay. um, to a competitor? Okay. So it, it's a challenge to know. Okay. Uh, let me pause again, Deb, and ask you mm-hmm. one more thing, but let me pull Dan in on this because I think only he and I are old enough to actually draw this uh, uh, conclusion. But uh, do you think, does it feel to you, Dan, like this labor market is as tight as it was in the dot-com period? No. It doesn't to me either. It doesn't feel even close. The numbers may say it is. It doesn't feel that tight to no, me. No, it doesn't. And I think some of that is wages. You know, nobody's chasing people with signing bonuses yet. And um, 
you know, we're just not seeing the the concern, outreach concern by companies. They're not, you know, doing what they started to do. You know, in, in 1999, 2000, companies like UPS were visiting junior high schools huh. to start talking to people about careers. I mean, no kidding. And uh, it was a good thing. Yeah. I don't think this is a bad thing, right? Uh, but they were really, really reaching out. I don't see anything like that yet. Uh, Debbie, you, what's your bet here if we... If this stays, you think companies are going to behave differently in half a year? What do you think is going to be different if the things stay this low? Um, well, I think smart companies will. I think there are certain trends that have been sustaining um, in terms of what workers want. And I feel like if organizations can provide them, I think they will outpace their competitors. So I do okay. think change is coming. Okay. And you think they get that when you talk to these uh, these folks? Certainly the HR people, of course, get this. But yeah, when you talk to them, do, do you get the sense that they think their bosses get this, the CEOs and those folks are getting this? I mean, certainly there, this requires a lot of buy-in. You know, people don't love change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but once they see the results, I think you know, change is more acceptable. So I do think the HR folks see it. They understand it. And they're the ones really looking at the numbers. They're the ones who have to deal with placing people and building talent. So they understand what it takes to keep them. Mm -hmm. But they do need to sell it because it is a different way. Some of these strategies are different than how we've worked before, but things are also different. I want to ask you about what's different uh, here. Do you see companies... Doing really starting to spend a lot of money on recruiting now? They're not spending it on wages yet. Are they doing different things on recruiting? Yeah, I mean, I think recruiting is a huge focus for organizations, and they expect more from their recruiters. I mean, there's so many different avenues to recruit people okay. um, with social media, obviously, and they're also expecting more. They need to promote themselves more. Workers today can do their own research on companies. And so they have to be out there, and they have mm. to promote why it's great to work for them. Mm. Uh, are they spending more money on this? You're, you're close to the vendors. Are, are pockets starting to open up, wallets opening up? To uh... I think they have to. Yeah, I but are they? they? Yeah. Are they, though? Not yeah. yet? I mean, I can't. I would, I would substantiate that they are. Mm. I think that the budget is, you know, for, they say a workforce budget is mostly spent on on their employees, recruiting employees, so mm-hmm. I, I would think yeah. so. Yeah, I think that's right. So, Dan, in the law firm world, uh, are you guys spending money to f- attract young associates, or is it still... The a- the, the base salaries have gone up mm. noticeably. Noticeably. And everybody's okay. going up. And I'll even qualify mm. my answer as the general economy. Mm-hmm. And I said earlier, I didn't see it. Uh, some of my early indicators of economic booms, like no space left in parking lots, mm, mm-hmm. 45-minute waits at, uh, at restaurants that, yeah, that weren't go. there 10 years ago. Right. Uh, but in addition, we're getting more inquiries from clients on creative and thoughtful uh, ways for employee retention, dealing with compensation and other issues, mm, mm. And even for blue-collar positions. Really? That, that uh, uh, either they're just not paying enough or, or they're losing good people. And they they want some creativity in, in huh. uh, launching employee retention programs. And when they say creativity, what do they mean? How do we pay without costing a ton of money? Or, what? or how do we keep as many people as possible without locking ourselves into big long-term compensation obligations? Okay, so short-term yeah. sort of stuff, yeah. Hmm. And Debbie, you th- in terms of uh, recruiting per se, are you seeing 
Um, we're talking about they will open their wallets. Have they done it? Uh, have they have they done it yet? I think I think it's at the point where people are beginning to, and then okay. they, I think it'll just continue. Okay. Um, to expand as companies feel the crunch. Okay. So, folks, we're talking with Debbie Bola, who's the editorial director and editor in chief of HRO Today magazine. We're talking about the tight labor market and how it's changing maybe the way companies respond. By the way, Debbie, what's the cooler title, editorial director or editor-in-chief? What do you think? I don't know. You, you tell me. I'd say editor-in-chief myself. I like editor-in-chief. Yeah. I think yeah. editor-in-chief is more common, but yeah. editorial director kind of – I do more than just the magazines. I uh, okay. do the conference content okay. whatnot. Okay. We can go with editor-in-chief. Yeah, and it we'll has a cooler that. acronym, EIC. Why don't you go, think about Grand Poobah? That's, that's a, I, I'll mention that to my boss, yeah, Elliot. We'll there, see what he thinks. See what he thinks. So what, how else is this tight labor market changing uh, the companies? What else are you seeing? So they're going to start, if they haven't already paid more attention to recruiting, Dan thinks they're talking about money already. Uh, mm-hmm. What else are they doing? I think um, Dan brought up an interesting point about retention. And I think retention it obviously comes through compensation, mm-hmm. but it comes through other ways. And um, from some of the stories within our this issue, we've talked to a few CHROs, and a point I brought up earlier was about the culture of the organization okay. and bringing employees and showing employees what is special about the organization and what they can get from it. And certainly one area is growth. People want to grow. People want learning opportunities. Oh, okay. Hmm. And um, they also want flexibility. Well, that's interesting, right? So the stereotype of people just wanting a quick buck, um, you don't think is sounding right now, yeah? Well, I feel like people really want careers now, not just jobs. No kidding. So the whole gig stuff, everybody just wants to hop, that's sounding like uh, hot air to you? Well, I feel like that's a different segment of the workforce. Okay. A completely different segment. They're growing their careers in different ways and in different approaches, but um, I, do, I wouldn't compare them to full-time workers. And is basically the difference between sort of a gig mentality and this career management mentality basically the, the time of reference? It seems to me that people who are, are interested in the career development, they want to make more. They want to make more in the long term. They're mm-hmm. just not focused on making the absolute most they can mm-hmm. in the next 18 months. Mm-hmm. They'll make a little less if it's a stepping mm-hmm. stone to something bigger. Is mm-hmm. that is that about the way you see it? Yeah, no, I completely agree that people are looking at the big picture. I think it's a smart smart way to go about it. But uh, so, but it sounds like this is a change if they are more inclined to think that the employer will help them with their career, right? Um, than the idea that oh, I'm just going to have to be hopping from place to place. So, so you think they're yeah. expecting the employer to do more for them? Yeah. Well, I think if they want to, the employers, if they want their employees to stay, they have to provide them with growth. Yeah. I don't think people are yeah. willing just to stay at the same level for many years. I do think younger workers, um, there's some research out there that they are more willing to hop, but there's probably several factors that contribute. Well, to yeah, that. younger people have always been more willing to hop, right? It's hard to hop if you've got a house payment and you've got mm-hmm. kids in school and mm-hmm. that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this issue of whether they are uh, expecting their employers to offer career paths for them, mm-hmm. right, which they sort of stop doing, and it sounds like you're thinking that they are, right? No, absolutely. I, I definitely feel like 
organizations are providing their employees with career planning and succession planning. And they it, are. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's less people out there looking. So if you think of it that way, you want to keep the people you have happy. Yeah. You want to keep them growing, and it's only going to benefit you. So you do really want one of your workers to leave and get a growth opportunity somewhere else where they can have it within your organization and just do more. You know, th- this is such a funny thing, right? Because you look at all the money we spend on recruiting. I think the estimates are, or at least were, something like 80% of all money spent on human resources, at least in the vendor world, is spent on recruiting. Mm-hmm. And if you look at jobs being filled, I've forgotten the exact number, but about 90% of jobs that we're filling, that is vacancies, come from people who are leaving. We're not creating a ton of new jobs in the economy relative to the number of vacancies that come because yeah. people are leaving, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, a good point. So it's like, you know, you you got a hole in the boat and you're spending all your time thinking about bailing uh, without stopping the hole in the boat. We're spending nothing on the hole in the boat, but we're spending all this money on bailing. It's Why do you think that is, Debbie? It's <laughs> a hard um, one, but what I, do you I think? I feel like some organizations are moving away from that with okay. internal mobility programs and using some of the technology to provide workers with knowledge about what's open within the organization. Okay. But it's also just how things have always been done. Mm. Well, and perhaps some organizations aren't keeping tabs on their employees, meaning at the managerial level. So yeah. they're unsure of these vacancies that are going to appear. You know, it's interesting. If you looked back on uh, the, the press, the literature, anything, as I have done, um, before like 1980, and 85 even, you cannot find the word retention. You cannot find attrition mm-hmm. because it was not a problem because yeah. you you kept people for life, right? And right. you might have Hired people- for life around here. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and so it's a relatively new idea. Here's my bet that what's going on is, and it has to do with the vendor community, the vendors are offering a zillion cool-sounding solutions on the recruiting side, but nobody's much is offering anything cool on the retention side. So I that's my bet as to- and as you say, recruiting is a historical problem, and retention is a relatively new problem. I, mm-hmm. I, that's my bet as to what's going on. But what do you? And I do s- feel like with retention, Peter, is that there aren't as many statistics on how to measure it. There are now, but there haven't been. So if you're going to invest in retention, retention programs. You can measure it over, but it takes a while to see who's staying and what's actually working. Yeah. There there are vendors, and you certainly know them, right, that, that are doing things like trying to predict who's going to quit. So that's a oh, new Oh, yeah, thing. absolutely. Predictive analytics is starting to make an impact. Um, of course, that's a, people who are using them are a few steps ahead because it is pretty forward thinking. Yeah. But it's combining some different data points mm-hmm. with those who leave in terms of their even their social network activity is one of them. Yeah, let's uh, let me ask you both about that the sure. cre- creepiness factor. What do you think? Highly creepy, slightly creepy. Like looking at people's Facebook pages to find out if they might leave. Yeah, to try to g- generate a number for you. Dan O'Meara yeah. is a point Hi- three. Highly you know, creepy. Cre- highly and creepy. also, hmm. I, I'm, go ahead, Debbie. Debbie, what do you what do you think? I don't know if it's that creepy, just because I feel like there's certain people who are just used to 
leveraging them for their social lives. So they do their own stalking, so to speak. So yeah. I, maybe they're not afraid hmm. to be stalked. Like if, I'm sure you both know, but on LinkedIn, you can set your feature of if you want people to see that you looked at their profile, if you don't, or oh, if really? it's oh, your yeah. company. Oh, and hmm. I'm fine with setting it because if mm-hmm. people, and then, then you get to see who's looking at you or you can't. It's kind of like you have you can't have it yeah. one way. You can, it if either. other people can see that you looked at their site, then you can see who looked at yours, or Correct. you can block it, as I do both ways. Correct. Except the catch to that is if someone pays it for a premium account can't block with LinkedIn, yeah. you, they can see if you looked at their account, but you can't see if they looked at yours. Mm. Oh, okay. Hmm. Ooh. We're learning. We're learning. Yeah. <laughs> Here's yeah. my question on these predictive analytics yeah. programs. Uh-huh. So we have these vendors that say, ooh, we can predict who will leave. Has anyone really done an objective analysis, say, okay, predict who's going to leave in year one and then see who left, predict who's going to leave in year two to see if there's any, I know there's a great self-confidence for the vendors, but is there any accuracy? I'm going to bet no, but Debbie, what do you think? I feel like it takes um, some time to spot what is happening, meaning that, okay, maybe you can look at when people are leaving. So they've already left, so you haven't stopped them yet, but you're seeing, okay, this person is leaving at the six-month mark, this this role, and then you look at the 12-month mark, and you're like, okay, when did I pay the bonus, like if you want to do it based on compensation. So I don't think you're preventing them, but you can start to see patterns, and then perhaps if you mm. change those patterns, it'll prevent future attrition. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I think we know how you could do it. I just don't think they're checking. And uh, I think there's a ton of this in the vendor community. Frankly, they don't, they don't check. And, and frankly, for them, in fairness to them, they can't check. You know, unless the employer, their client, gives them the data, they, they can't check. So I think right. there's... I mean, they definitely need access to the data. And I do think um, HR office, officers, excuse me, are more sophisticated. So they are putting pressure on them. Mm-hmm. I do feel like they're... These engagements have been going on for a while, and mm-hmm. they are. If they are asking, then I do think they are required to deliver, or it's not going to work. So let me ask you about the second part of that, and that is the career, mm-hmm. better career path and technology on that. What does any of that look like? For career pathing? Yeah. So an employer is trying to tell you, yeah, we, we offer career paths. We're trying to make it more attractive for people to stay, so we have technology now that will give you a better feel of what opportunities are like here? What What's that stuff look like? I feel like that's a bit in its infancy, meaning that it's a, it's an investment that may have not been made yet, but I do think it can start without technology and just work working at the managerial level mm-hmm. and making sure that as workers are keeping track, it's more like, you know, how performance reviews have mm-hmm. changed, having more of a constant conversation conversation or more ongoing feedback and I think that's where the career pathing is coming in is you can see how you're doing and you can see what the next step is yeah you know my um, my sense about that here's my question to to both of you and that is do you think uh, people will believe it right so one thing I, I think they believe this if they say look we've got great ability for you to m- apply for new jobs in the company mm-hmm. that's been there a long time and in fact that hit a peak in the dot com period when something like ninety five percent of companies had moved to internal job boards and most of them you had to post virtually every job and in most of those companies believe it or not in, after the dot com period right around then 
your supervisor wasn't even allowed to know that you were applying for other jobs in the company. Uh, I think a lot of companies backed away from that, but mm -hmm. that was the period there. Um, the harder part is to offer people career paths, right, to say, we've got career paths for you, uh, and the career path looks like this. I'm not sure I'd believe them on that. Right. But if when you're interviewing candidates, say one of the good things about someone at this level here is we actually have a formalized career development program with, with a book. Mm. And you'll have to sit down with your advisor at the beginning of the year and the end of the year mm -hmm. and go over the checklist of the skills you're supposed to develop. Make sure you get them done. Mm -hmm. I think that's more impressive than, oh, we'll really look out for you here. A lot oh. of on-the-job trading, mm -hmm. man. For sure. I think that's right. Uh, I think I do think some organizations today are offering candidates the opportunity to talk to current employees, and then they're kind of what they're called employee ambassadors, so they can get a real sense of what it's like. And I think that type of question would come up, is this really yeah. happening here? Yeah, I think the, the reason that I would be a little skeptical is partly that I'm skeptical about everything, I think, but also because, <laughs> also because uh, so much changes, right? Um, and, you know, you've got this organization chart, and the career path is based on the organization chart. But those things get flipped around all the time, right? Oh, we had a restructuring, so that path we thought you were going to take, that's gone, right? Yeah. And there's so much outside hiring. We blew up that path. Yeah, we've we've moved on to we've disrupted that path. Yeah. I think it's on to something else, but you know, here's the punchline: it should astonish people, particularly older folks, that you know, in a typical company these days, a corporation, not a little tiny thing, we still we're filling about two thirds of the vacancies from the outside, right? So only about a third of positions are filled by promotion or moving around or anything. We're still mainly going outside to fill vacancies, right? So. You know, that's uh, that's the punchline. If you still go outside, you don't have career opportunities for people inside, right? I think but that's do you think that takes into account the fact that perhaps people are moving up, but then there's a new vacancy to fill? Oh, no, those would be counted as an internal position, okay. right? If you, if you change jobs in the same company, that's an internal mm -hmm. move. And if you look at all the moves in a company, all the openings... Uh, and you could fill them internally or from outside. We're filling two thirds from the outside, uh, and it's and it's it's not the case. Consultants to the contrary that this is because companies are growing. The the growth in the economy, relative to the size of the economy, is pretty trivial. So you know, in a boom year, we might add, let's say we added two hundred thousand jobs per month, which is terrific, and that's roughly what we've been doing, right? So mm -hmm. at the end of the year, we have we would have added you know, 2.4 million jobs, right? Yep. But we got 166 million jobs already, right? So uh, it's, you know, for that to drive all the growth or all the job placements can, can't be. Right? Yeah. Most jobs that are vacant that are being filled are being filled by people who are um, filling vacancies. So 2.4 million do jo new jobs in a year, sounds great. 66 million new hires per year, right? Wow. And that's mm. mainly churn. That's churn, yeah. right? That's mainly churn. So, Deb, what else do you think uh, we're going to see because of this tight labor market? What else are you, are you thinking we're seeing? Anything companies are changing? They're getting more perk happy? Are we seeing more free food in, in the cafeterias, coffee-free? What are we seeing that's maybe getting more generous well, it's funny now? that you mentioned that because one of our stories is called Culture Over Cool, yeah. where organizations are moving away from those real kitschy perks and 
looking at things that employees really value. So I do think um, remote work will increase. You think so? Okay. I do. Mm -hmm. I, I do feel like a lot of employees ex excel at working remotely, and they want to work remotely. And against that, again, that really plays into the work-life balance. Okay. So you think companies are going to get more tolerant of people working at home? Do you think it's going to be more time at home or more people who can work from home? What do you think? I think it's just the opportunity to work um, remotely perhaps a few days a week, or if you're looking for talent, you're not going to be so stringent on making sure that your talent is coming to the office. Like if you're looking for a highly skilled worker, I think organizations will be more flexible with offering the opportunity to work remotely instead of having to move or relocate. Okay. So you think we're going to see more people staying with their companies uh, rather than relocating with the company? The company will say, fine, stay here. Uh, we wanted you to move, but you can't. We don't have to. Don't quit. I don't know. I don't know if I, organizations. I do think need to bend towards some of these trends if they want to keep people. I don't know if they're going to because it is a different way of working, mm -hmm. and so, there's obviously concerns around remote work, um, people being less productive, which I think is false, yep. or not yep. having one-on-one -on -one contact in the office. Some organizations need to. Over, get over it, get mm -hmm. over those things, I yeah, think. Probably right. Uh, Debbie, before we let you go, what's on tap for next month? Do you know? Next issue is October, and mm -hmm. I actually just wrapped up an interview with Kevin Silva. He's the CHRO of Voya Financial, and he actually talks about their culture. Their culture is one by design, as he says. Mm. And when we're talking about retention rates, they um, boast a 95% retention rate of accelerated talent. So that oh, means okay. that they're top performance. So there'll be a lot of interesting strategies to discuss. Mm -hmm. How they do that one. Great. Very interesting. Nice. Yeah, very cool. Debbie, thanks very much for being with us. Debbie is the editorial director and editor-in-chief of HRO Today magazine. We're going to take a break here, and we're going to come back with a in-the-workplace segment, what it's like to go to work with a National Football League player. Hang in there. We'll be right back. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.